Pripyat, Ukraine. I know you've probably been there. Uh, there is a geocache there. Now, it's in the old soccer stadium. Um, it's an earth cache, I believe, which is basically like a geocache, but you don't take anything. You just look at um, look at things and say that you've been there. So, now, Pripyat, Ukraine, you probably might not have heard of. It is the town outside of where Chernobyl was, and it basically stopped in time in, um, I believe, April of 1986. So this place is basically like an abandoned soccer stadium that was never really used, that was having waiting for its big, big debut at May Day uh, 1986, and it was, um, the, the disaster happened just about a week before that, and it was closed. So there is a geocache there, and they say... Um, only go there on a tour, obviously, because you can't really just waltz over to the Chernobyl area. And don't touch any of the vegetation, don't touch anything besides the actual cache site itself. Um, so that seems kind of interesting. Um, I, I, I think for the most dedicated of geocaching fans, if you do get over to Pripyat, just, uh, you know, send us a picture. So geocaching scripture, here we are, geocaching scripture. Tiny treasures in the big truth. I thought geocaching was a perfect metaphor for looking at scripture, studying scripture, finding its smaller treasures that give it dimension. If you're like me, um, the the pathways of scripture have become a little too familiar. And so these little geocaching treasures have of language, historical situation, background, all kinds of different things have helped me to see the dimension in God's word that's already there and kind of revitalized my love for scripture a bit. Anyway, you don't have to go to Pripyat, but it might still be kind of radioactive. Let's geocache. Okay, so the view from the blanket fort today, I do broadcast from a blanket fort because I'm hiding from my three kids. And I, I hide in a closet with a blanket over my head and try my best to get sort of a soundproof studio effect in a cheap man's kind of, kind of way going on. And that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, the view from here today is midwinter cold. It's about to get very much more cold. And that's the way life is in Wisconsin. Um, want to check out John 3 today. John 3 today. John, is that strangest of the Gospels and, of course, my favorite. Uh, the latest written, and the other three are called the synoptic. Synoptic um, being the Greek word for one eye. They sort of saw things with one eye, whereas John kind of seems to be out on his own, sort of reflecting on Jesus' life. Anyway, I'm back to freestyling my own thing, just coming up with my own geocaches when I find them. I was trying to follow the lectionary there for a while, just in the Advent season, and now, as an evangelical, I'm safely back to saying whatever scripture comes to mind is the one I'll bring up. And today it's John 3. John 3, that conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. And this, of course, uh, includes everybody's favorite verse. Say it with me. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In the KJV. Thank you, Awana. Thank you, Spark, 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 Sparks. And... Now, we all remember that, the first memory verse I ever had. Okay, so let's look at John 3 here. 
The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 3, verses 2 through 5. Now, there's a lot of different geocaches here. It's very interesting, this setting. So Nicodemus um, says he was a ruler of the Jews, meaning that he was um, essentially not only a religious leader, but he was also a political leader. Um, he would have seen over issues of legislation and daily life. Um, so they were, again, a an occupied people under Rome, and they had the insular uh, Jewish culture within that that was fiercely, fiercely independent. So they tried to have their own laws and regulate what they were doing and had a lot of these people like Nicodemus who would have been quasi-religious, quasi-political figures. So he was a member of the upper class, a powerful person, who really was trying to um, come out to Jesus and and just nip this thing in the bud, whatever it was, this rebellion, this movement, whatever it was, just get it taken care of. And he was going to go, you know, sort of, yeah, I'll go talk to him. He goes at night, which of course we know the Gospel of John, any setting at night or in darkness at all is usually a symbol of confusion, of misdirection, of sin sometimes, of, of not knowing what's going on. And that is probably why this detail is accentuated here in John's retelling. Um, Nicodemus approaches Jesus with um, with probably much condescension to say, you know, we know this about you, and and we are I am approaching you now as a dignitary and a politely and coming out and sharing a bit of flattery, and then we'll get down to brass tacks. And that's kind of how he's opening the dialogue. Jesus, of course, says, and has nothing to do with it, and says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And that is the heart of this passage here, born again. And the interesting thing about this is that the Greek, or the, uh, the Greek term that's used uh, here is actually a, a pun or a, a double entendre where it means born again and born from above at the same time. Born again and born from above. So not to say that either is right or wrong, but it's one of those things and a lot of those things that Jesus does, you know, born again and born from above, above, which is it? And the answer is yes, it's both. So Jesus is meaning both these things at the same time. He's telling him he must be born from above. And so Nicodemus growing up in the Jews, strongly in the Jewish tradition, like way strongly, like he knew the, the Old Testament better than any of us ever will. He had memorized it. He knew it inside and out and upside down. He knew it extremely well. And for them at that time, the, the thought would be that we are God's people. We believe God. We follow God. And that is the way to life. That is the way to spiritual life, is to follow these laws, to keep these rituals, to keep these holy days, all these other things. This is the way to the best life, is to follow these laws and be marked out as God's people. And Jesus says, you're right to a point, but you have to be born again. You have to be born from above in the miraculous connection with Jesus. You have to be born again from above. And then he goes on to, to use the, um, 
the illustration of the bronze serpent, Jesus um, compares himself to the serpent that Moses made out of bronze and put up when the people were being bitten by vipers and they were dying. He put up this bronze serpent and then they would look at it and then they would be healed. Um, and that's an important image here because it it is looking above, looking above, looking outside of yourself, looking for a new birth. And that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here, whereas Nicodemus is trying to follow the old ways, the old ways, the old laws, the old rituals. And Jesus is saying, essentially, you're doing physical therapy when what you need is a transplant. You're doing physical therapy when what you need is a full transplant. And that's what it means to look up to Jesus and be born from above. And so that's what he's talking about here. And then he says, uh, anyone who is born from above must be born of water and of the spirit. He says that later in chapter 3, born of water and of the spirit. And water is this image in places like Isaiah 44 and Ezekiel 36. Uh, water is always this image of water in the desert, of, of roses and flowers coming up instead of thorns. It's a reversal of the curse of Adam. And then born of the Spirit is Ezekiel 36. I will, I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put a new spirit in you. These things, these transplantational images of recreation. And look for that theme throughout the way Jesus is described, especially in John, of recreation. Starting over again. Nicodemus kind of disappears. We see him once, and then we see him one more time at the end of John. And him and Joseph of Arimathea are dressing the body of Jesus, dressing and perfuming the body of Jesus. And I think there is where we see his resolution, where we see the change in Nicodemus's life, that he becomes free of all of these class distinctions and everything else. To dress a body was the work of slaves and women. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were both leaders of, of Israel. They would never have been seen doing that, never even think of doing that. And here they are doing that because they are being born from above. They are being born out of the harsh geometry of our world, born from the next world, born from above, looking up to receive that new life that finally leaves them free. And that, my friends, is geocaching scripture. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.